Pleasure to have you with us on Air Talk. I'm Larry Mantle. Coming up right after us, just a few minutes from now, fresh air with Terry Gross in an interview with the New York Times Washington Investigations editor Mark Mazzetti. He's worked on stories about the Trump campaign's alleged communications with Russian intelligence, uh, Russia's uh, believed hacking of the 2016 election, uh, and also covered contacts of former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn with the U.S. ambassador, uh, the ambassador to the U.S. from Russia. So we'll hear what Mazzetti has to say about his investigations on fresh air coming up right after air talk here on 89.3. Well, thank goodness for the Pew Research Center because they always turn out such interesting studies of American trends and uh, the ways which we're living our lives. The latest takes a look at the mobility of millennials. According to the report, 20% of those between the ages of 25 and 35 changed addresses in 2015. Now that is down from the 20 26% of those in the Generation X group who were asked the same question back in 2000. Uh, what are the reasons that younger Americans have become less mobile? With us first, Richard Fry, senior researcher at the Pew Research Center, uh, which did this new study. Mr. Fry, good to have you with us again. Appreciate it so much. Thank you. Glad to be with you. So, first of all, what do you think are the factors perhaps not driving this? What can we rule out here? Well, traditionally, when we sort of think about young adults, the things that sort of we say tie them down um, colloquially are things like being married, um, having a house, owning a home, or um, having a child. And let's take the first one I mentioned. Um, typically, if you're, if you're married, it's a little bit harder to move because, for example, let's talk about work-related reasons. Now, in order to move, not only do you need to line up uh, another job, but your spouse does as well. So typically, we usually think that, you know, sort of being married sort of ties one down. So these three factors, what's sort of interesting is that when we look at millennial 25 to 35-year-olds, they are substantially less likely to be tied down by a spouse, a house, or a child. And so their family situation sort of suggests that they should be footloose. They yeah. should be moving, but they are not. It's so, so interesting. Yeah. I would have assumed before reading your results that millennials were the most mobile generation, you know, that we'd had because um, people don't work as long for the same employers as, as people in previous generations. So they'd be quicker to accept jobs in other cities and, and they'd have that mobility. So we're not seeing that here. Um, if you were to overlay the economic status of millennials with previous generations, might that tell us something? Well, um, I don't I don't think so, at least if you sort of look at the averages and you sort of say, OK, we're now no longer in the Great Recession, but now we're in, you know, 2016 when this data was collected. And that's a good six and seven years beyond the Great Recession. And so the, the labor market situation, at least nationally facing young adults, it has come a long way. It's improved a lot in terms of lower unemployment rates, in terms of having jobs. There's even some evidence that their wages are actually starting to improve as well. And so both in the labor 
market, as well as sort of their more general sort of measures of their economic status, it isn't it isn't clear to me at all that, you know, millennials are that much worse off than earlier generations of young adults. And therefore, that that's the reason um, why they're not moving. All right, Richard Fry of Pew with us. I'd love to hear your thoughts about it. As an AirTalk listener, why do you think millennials are less likely to move than the generations that preceded them at a similar point in their lives, age uh, 25 to 35? We're at 866-893-KPCC or the AirTalk page, kpcc.org. One thing I'm wondering is if, you know, so many of the cities that were growing at a time when previous generations you know, people were getting out of college and establishing themselves. Those cities have matured a lot, cities that had huge growth. If you look at, you know, Phoenix, for example, or Seattle or Portland or Las Vegas, those cities are much more mature here in the West than in the past, cities where younger people would have moved to because of increasing opportunities and new businesses that were planning themselves there, less expensive housing stock to be able to buy a home to start a family, which, of course, is delayed for millennials. But I'd like to hear your theory on this, Eight. 866-893-KPCC or the AirTalk page, kpcc.org. With us, the founder of the Center for Generational Kinetics, Jason Dorsey. Uh, he heads up uh, what is a research firm specializing in millennials and Gen Z. Jason, good to have you with us today. Thanks for having me, and glad to be able to talk about this because yeah. we've, uh, we've missed a few key points that I want to make sure we bring up. Yeah, go right ahead. So what do you think is one of the biggest we haven't gotten to yet? Yeah, so everything that Richard pointed to, which we completely agree with and have been saying for now five years about delaying these life milestones is absolutely true. But the why, the underlying motivation, or we call hidden drivers, is not being talked about. And the reality is you have millennials entering the workforce at a later age than ever before than any previous generation. And we're seeing all kinds of other things around that with teenage summer employment and so forth. But more importantly, we're seeing millennials enter the workforce with tremendous amounts of college debt. And this is a huge issue that isn't often reflected easily in the data. But what we know from our research is people who have a lot of college debt delay major life decisions, particularly they delay marriage. They delay kids. They even delay buying cars and getting their driver's license. I mean, these are all things that, ironically enough, flow together. So what we have uncovered in our research is that there's actually a new life stage, and the life stage is called delayed adulthood, which means you want the freedom of being an adult without the responsibility. And frankly, a lot of the things that you know you guys have talked about are all responsibilities. A house is a responsibility. Uh, a marriage is a responsibility. These are all major commitments. And what we know for a fact is people who have a lot of college debt are delaying these major life commitments. So the underlying why is there's also no generational pressure. I mean, I'm a millennial myself. There's much less generational pressure to get married now, to have kids now, to do these things. So you're going to see the average age of uh, what we call in the U.S. first marriage continue to inch up and inch up and inch up. And it can inch up because there's not the pressure from your friends. In fact, we're going to see the pressure between the ages of 35 and 40 because now those same millennials who delayed it are saying, hey, I want to have a kid. (laughs) Yeah, no, and I understand exactly what you're saying about the delaying of these different aspects of life, which might be associated with people relocating. But there still is the issue of jobs, right? And I wonder, is this generation, because it, it seems to more than previous generations prefer urban life, has that also limited the number of places that people would consider moving compared to previous generations? Well, there's a bit of truth and a bit of fallacy to the urban myth that we all want to live downtown near Whole Foods. And, and the, the truth is, yeah, we want to be where the action is. 
no question, until we get married and have kids. And so what we see in a lot of cities now are reverse migration. So historically, there was this donut hole. Nobody wanted to live downtown. And it became cool to live downtown. Everybody wanted to live downtown. But now we're seeing that once you have a kid and get married, and particularly when you need more space and oftentimes better schools, we actually see them moving from urban areas to more of the suburban or exurban areas outside of those places. So it's definitely more expensive to live in those urban areas. In fact, housing is more expensive in lots of places. But what we do see is that millennials are picking a place where they can live, where they can afford it. And that's in large part due, as we talked about, to the college debt. And while wages have increased, and, and Richard spoke to this very accurately, we're certainly seeing those increases. I live in Austin, and if you can sneeze, you can have a job here, right? That's just our local market. But in other places, that has not happened. And many, many millennials we talked to, in fact, over half of them in a study we did, said that they believe they will never be able to retire. So if you're entering adulthood and already assuming I'm going to have to work forever, then it's really, what's the rush <laughs> work on your birthday? <laughs> guess that's one way of looking at it. We're talking with Jason Dorsey, the founder of the Center for Generational Kinetics research firm. He's based, as he said, in Austin, Texas. We're at 866-893-KPECC or the AirTalk page, kpecc.org. I'd like to hear from you why you think millennials are more geographically rooted than previous generations. We're talking the 6% difference between Gen Xers and millennials on uh, the percentage of those who've moved in the most recent year reflected in census data. 866-893-KPECC or the AirTalk page, kpecc.org. Nolan in Studio City says the reason is it's so perilous for a millennial to settle down because wages have gone up, but housing costs are so high there simply isn't supply. I have a college uh, degree, entry-level job, make $2,400 a month, but rent is 1500 and that doesn't include extra expenses. But Nolan, what previous generations, it seems to me, and I'm interested Jason Dorsey thinks this true now, they'd look at that and say, it's too expensive to live in a place where rent is $1,500 a month. I've got to go move to a place that has more affordable housing. Jason Dorsey, is, is that a difference in this generation? It is a deal breaker. And the other part of this is, you know, that we just broke the record for the number of 20-somethings that are living with their parents. So there is one underlying theme, which is, again, these millennials have boomer parents, and the boomers' parents want to be easier for their kids than it was for them. And they succeeded, and they're still paying the car insurance, and they got the family phone plan and all this stuff well into their 30s. But you're exactly right. The, the idea of sacrifice, I need to sacrifice in order to get to that next step goes completely against the grain of what millennials were taught, you know, which is, you know, find life balance, do what makes you happy. And so that sacrifice uh, is something that I hear from employers all the time, many of our clients, and even brands are struggling with this, because how do you get millennials to save for something? You know, how do you get them to, to have delayed gratification? And so all of these things are coming together, and it's very hard. And now this is, again, we're getting into some dicey area here. It's very hard to get a lot of millennials to say, I need to suck it up and go through this really tough time and figure out how to become self-reliant now. I'm only going to be young once. Now, one thing that's not talked about in this data that we're passionate believers in is we're actually seeing a split, a dislocation within the generation where you have one part of the generation doing everything that they were told to do, right? Millennials are the largest generation in the U.S. workforce. Everybody thinks we're unemployed and our pants are falling off. <laughs> it's totally true, okay? I mean, yeah, it's totally true. You go talk to a bunch of boomers, all of these millennials, you know, they're lazy, their pants are falling off, they live with their mom, they want to be promoted in the first week and all this. 
But the reality is we're the largest generation in the United States workforce. So we are working. In fact, there's more of us working than anybody else. But that doesn't mean just because we're working that we want to suddenly move or we want to buy a house or we need to buy into any of those kind of traditional pathways that we were told. And that's what makes us so shocking. This isn't news to millennials, but it's news to every other generation going, what's wrong with them? <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. Jason Dorsey, Center for Generational Kinetics, Richard Fry of Pew Research Center. Uh, Richard, what are the economic implications of millennials being more rooted? How does, how does that affect the overall economy, the housing market, et cetera? Well, to the extent that they're not moving for housing-related reasons, it does have a big impact um, nationally on the economic recovery. Let me state, I think many observers think that since 2010, 2011, that the nation's recovery has been sort of anemic, subpar compared to earlier recoveries. And a basic reason is because um, the housing market has sort of been a laggard. It's never really picked up steam. And a basic reason for that is an important reason is that young adults are not forming households as well as buying homes um, at the rate that we would expect. And so this sort of um, sort of stability of millennials to the extent that they are remaining doubled up or remaining living with mom and dad, not going out and getting on their own in terms of either renting or buying. It matters for the nation's realtors. It matters for home improvement companies, appliance manufacturers, furniture makers. There's a lot of spending that goes with setting up your own household. And this is one of the basic reasons that, at least nationally, the economic recovery has not been particularly vigorous. We're still sort of waiting for the millennials to get out there and form their own households, either by renting or by buying. David in Glendale, you're on Air Talk. Hi, uh, my daughter, 23 years old, uh, just graduated undergrad college as an art major. Everyone thought I was going to go broke. And she got her first decent job here in Los Angeles, got offered a better job in New York, and declined to take it because she really wanted to maintain the quality of life she thought would be better in Los Angeles. They then offered her the job again, but offered to travel her back and forth, and she took it. So now she's back and forth to New York, but staying here because she just had her priorities. So she lives in L.A., but works in New York. Well, she lives in L.A., works from home, and then every other month they fly her to New York, and she stays for about 15 days, and, you know, it's working out great for her. Yeah, so, so it sounds like you're pretty happy that she held out. Beyond happy, Larry. Yeah. So so what is your takeaway from your daughter's experience? Sort of what what do you think the lesson is about her generation? Well, I think that they don't feel I, my, I have a 20 year old son as well. I just feel like they don't feel the pressure to fit into the models that have preexisted. Her job offer came from just writings that she'd been publishing through online magazines and people read her writing and just responded to that. It wasn't about personal connections. It wasn't about uh, an application. She didn't apply for the job. People have, they've, they've self-branded yeah. themselves and just, it's been a, a really interesting recognition phenomenon. of her talent. Yeah. David, yeah. Th- thank you so much. Really appreciate your sharing that experience. David in Glendale with us on air talk. Let's talk with Andrew in Pasadena. Welcome. Thank you. I'm the father of a millennial and have several friends who also have children who are millennials. My perspective is that these individuals are not relocating because they are the most entitled group of people I have ever encountered. 
Um, I have to confess to some self-examination as the parent. I wonder <laughs> what it is that I maybe didn't do right. But several of my friends are in the same situation. This group expects everything to be done for them and typically from their parents. My child actually said, you know, the prospects for our generation are worse than yours, and that's your fault. Um, I don't know what it is we did wrong, but I have never encountered a group of people who feel more entitled and more averse to, as your commentator said, sucking it up and sacrificing and working hard for a future game. Boy, Andrew, that that's a depressing account that you're giving. Jason Dorsey, you want to respond to that? Oh, I've been waiting for you to give me that chance. Yes, thank you for that. That's uh, a depressing and, frankly, highly accurate commentary from certain groups within the generation. And and you you hit on the key thing, which I appreciate, which is parenting is the number one driver of entitlement. And nobody likes to hear that, and they all get uncomfortable, and sometimes they get defensive. But at the end of the day, parenting is what conditions a lot of these behaviors, particularly entitlement. But here's where it gets really, really interesting. In our studies, we find the group most offended by millennials acting entitled in the workforce are other millennials who do not feel entitled. <laughs> That's, that makes sense. It's the other part yeah. giving them a bad reputation, right? Yeah, that <laughs> makes sense, and they resent it, yeah. Exactly, and if I can speak to the, the other gentleman who called in too, he said, you know, his daughter uh, was able to get a job where she can relocate from L.A., or not relocate, uh, fly, right, from L.A. to New York. But here's what's interesting. If you heard him say at the end, he said, oh, I'm really happy that she can still live at home and have this job, right? She doesn't have to settle. Yeah, she can yeah. have this great lifestyle. Let me just be clear. Baby boomers, who are some of the kind of people that have called in, if they told their parents, hey, I just want to stay here and live <laughs> right. for a while and just have a job where I travel around, there is no way that would happen. That's a great point. Let me take, let me get another listener call because we're very short on time. David in Ontario, you're a millennial. What's your observation about your generation? Well, I, I disagree. Um, I don't believe it's uh, entitlement or anything. Um, I've pretty much spent all my life and made my career, got my education here in Southern California. And I agree completely, and it's like Jason's talking through my thoughts. Um, It's about delayed adulthood, and I'm just trying to prepare myself. But at the same time, uh, an over-preparation and all these student loans, um, I still have to take risks. So currently I'm taking uh, risk working full-time and also going to law school part-time. But it's a matter of being balanced and preparing for our future. David, we wish you the very best as you take on all that responsibility. Thank you for being with us, David, in Ontario. And my thanks to our guests, Jason Dorsey of the Center for Generational Kinetics in Austin and Richard Fry, senior researcher at the Pew Research Center. Pew put together this uh, analysis showing millennials less likely to move than previous generations. They use census data to do it. Stay tuned. Fresh Air with Terry Gross is next. The guest, New York Times Washington Investigations editor Mark Mazzetti. Have a great afternoon. Fresh air is next. I'll be back with you tomorrow morning at 11 for the next Air Talk.